Welcome to the How to Be Awesome at Your Job podcast, the show where brilliant professionals share how to sharpen the universal skills required to flourish at work. Enjoy more career fun, wins, meaning, and money with your host, Pete Mikaitis. Hello, and thanks for joining us here for episode 459 with Diana Wu David. Diana is talking about how to make your work life work better for your life and future-proofing it, and so much more good stuff. So you'll learn, one, approaches for taking agency over your own career. Two, how to recognize the treadmill of self-sacrifice and get off it. And three, the right way to ask for what you want at work. So if you want to take a look at the show notes or the transcript or the links to items we've referenced, you'll find that over at awesomeatyourjob.com slash F459. I really appreciate Diana. And here's her story. Diana Wu David is a strategist, innovator, entrepreneur, and the founder of Serana Capital and Serana Labs. Her companies transform how executives work and prepare companies for the future of work, invest in ed tech and HR tech, and support innovative education initiatives across public and private sectors. Her diverse global career includes assisting Henry Kissinger and leading executive education initiatives for Financial Times. A super connector of people and a sought-after speaker, Diana lives in Hong Kong with her husband and their three children. Thanks to Diana for spending some time with us, and thanks to our sponsors. Check them out. One sponsor to check out is LinkedIn Jobs. Did you know that you can post a job for free at linkedin.com slash be awesome? And with a fresh year, perhaps you're like many small business owners looking for some fresh insight and talent to make 2024 extra amazing. Well, LinkedIn Jobs has created tremendous tools to help you find the right professionals for your team faster and free. I love how they make it so easy with their promotion and selection tools. LinkedIn isn't just another job board. No, no, no. LinkedIn has a vast network of more than a billion professionals, which makes it the best place to hire. Here's some fun facts. 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. And small businesses rate LinkedIn jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus leading competitors. You can post your job for free at linkedin.com slash awesome. That's linkedin.com slash B-E-A-W-E-S-O-M-E, as in you are being awesome, be awesome, to post your job for free. Terms and conditions do apply. Now, here is Diana. Diana, thanks so much for joining us here on the How to Be Awesome at Your Job podcast. Thank you, Peter. Well, I've done a lot of research on you, and I've seen you've had a cool variety of experiences, but I want to go way back to your youth, where you did some barrel racing and rodeo parading. What's the story here? So it's not an interesting story for where I grew up in Tucson, Arizona, (laughs) but now that I've spent 20 years living abroad, most people can't believe that I was in the rodeo parade and I used to ride horses and do barrel racing. In Hong Kong here now, I'm surrounded by a lot of people who like horses, but are very much into dressage and show horses. So it's a very unusual thing to be a rodeo queen in Hong Kong. Well, <laughs> that's, that is funny to just imagine. And, and just so we're on the same page, what precisely does barrel racing refer to? You get on your horse and they have actual barrels and it's like a slalom. You race around the barrels as fast as you can on horseback. Well, that sounds like a lot of fun to me. (laughs) (laughs) It is. It's very fast. And I have had some brush ups against the fence. And so it's dangerous, but it was super fun. Well, that sounds like a good time. I grew up in Danville, Illinois, which is the the central part of the state. And it was quite common that I would have friends, you know, showing cattle or these kinds of things at the fair. So respect. I'm right with you. (laughs) 
I'm glad I have your respect. <laughs> it's a good way to start the podcast. <laughs> well, so we, we, we've reminisced about our past. So uh, let's segue into, into the future. Your book, Future Proof, there's a lot of good stuff in there. Maybe could you start us off to get the intrigue flowing? What was maybe your most surprising and fascinating discovery as you were researching and putting this together? I think that the most surprising discovery is that I was thinking people who I interviewed were looking for some kind of work-life balance. But instead, what I found is that they were incredibly ambitious to live life on their terms. So many of them went off to do something a little bit offbeat or entrepreneurial. Many of them started side hustles. A lot of them are still in their jobs, but just approaching things a bit differently. So they're super ambitious. They're not taking a step down or, or really focused on balance so much as living life on their own terms. Intriguing. So it sounds like if they weren't pursuing balance, then they were, they were going after something with, with gusto and, and experiencing some imbalance and being fine with it. Oh, they were just so excited to be successful on a broad basis. And oftentimes that meant learning that sort of insatiable curiosity. That's cool. That's cool. Yeah. So that's surprising. And what would you say is, is sort of like the main theme or, or a big idea within the book, Future Proof? I think the main idea is that we really have to take agency over our own careers and our own job and think about how to constantly improve it, not just the job as it relates to the value it provides to the company. Of, of course, that's important, but even the value it provides to us. Well, that's good. And so then what are some things that we, we tend to overlook as we're, when we're not looking at things that way? Well, I think there's a sense that was sort of narrowly focused. So we are looking for companies or positions to provide for us. And we're jumping from one to the other looking for things, but just refocusing on yourself as a person. One of the huge drivers of this has been the idea of disruption, but also longevity. So if you're looking at a career over a hundred year life, you're definitely going to outlast your job function. You're probably going to have multiple careers. And based on the S&P lifespan of a company now being 12 years, you'll probably outlast your own company. So it's about looking at yourself and thinking about what are the narratives? What do I need to learn next? What do I need to do to be flexible? to build my skills? How can I frame this in a way to learn from it and still be super excited and an add value? That's something that I think has been lost a little bit. There's a sense of going to a company, oh, we give them our blood, sweat and tears and they give us money and they should be giving us more. Intriguing. So that it sounds like there's a little bit more kind of onus of responsibility upon the individual worker to really take stock of, of what's most important and to proactively assess and evaluate whether a given opportunity is going to deliver on those means and with an eye toward the future as well. Absolutely. And those change all the time. I think sometimes it will be balance. And I remember in my own life when I had super little kids, 
I wasn't insanely ambitious to spend right. all my time at work and progressing. But as that changed, my priorities changed. So it's a longer life. Pace yourself. Well, and so you've got a great turn of a phrase, which I guess would be the the counterpoint to that. When you say the word pacing, you've used the phrase, the treadmill of self-sacrifice. Can you unpack that a little bit in terms of what does that look like in practice and, and how do you know when, when you're on it and that's a problem? That's a great question. I think that you can feel it when you're trudging along and it was the basis of my TED talk and also a, a sort of personal genesis for the book that after many years, my company, I just felt like wasn't learning and just going in every day. And you just feel that weighty sense of burden. I think it was a turning point for me when it was maybe the third restructure at my company. And I just felt a little bit lost and a sort of a what's the point feeling. And I remember also that the HR director had said after we had to let some people go, I had to let some people go. And she said, well, you know, it's really up to you. And I was incredibly offended that this really this family feeling in our company had been disrupted by somebody telling me I needed to sort of pull my pants up and take care of myself. And she got me a coach. And I told my coach about all the injustices that had been foisted upon me and how much I had invested and, and how I just needed to have her help me find a new job. Mm -hmm. And the coach said, <laughs> I'm being paid by the company. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's yeah. in a separate conversation. Yeah. I, I do think uh, that the coaches who are really good can help right. you find a different way and help you be happy and, and awesome at your job. And this coach did that. She was like, look, you're not going to quit and I'm not going to help you. You're going to turn this situation around. I hated her. I'm still not sure I like her to this day, but she said, if you're really at that point, if you're ready to to just quit. And she said, A, you have an opportunity to turn this around, to really learn from this, to figure out what you want and advocate for it. And the reality is, if you still want to quit, you're still in the same place, nothing to lose. Mm -hmm. uh, she said, and furthermore, you've got such a bad attitude that nobody's going to hire you anyway. They're going to see it. They're going to smell it. <laughs> So I think you see engagement scores at companies. I think people get that. And it's not just the sort of bad day that everybody has at work. It's that sense of just, uh. so that's the treadmill of, of self-sacrifice. And the reality is that oftentimes it's just a matter of reframing and, and, and also learning, which I think as women, we're particularly bad at learning what we are one, advocating, and the, the company doesn't voice things upon you so much. It's a negotiation. And mm -hmm. if you've never had the conversation, then it's really the onus is on you to figure out what you want. 
Well, that's that's powerful in, in so many ways. Like when you said, uh, like I really know exactly what you mean. And I'm thinking about a transcriptionist, Jane, how she's going to handle that one. Mm. <laughs> because it's such an important word that uh, that you shared here <laughs> that <laughs> makes all the difference. Because I know that sensation. And, and I think that's wise. It's almost like, uh, I guess I'm wondering, you know, why do we put up with that? Why do we get there? It's almost like you're making some assumptions, that, you know, this is just what's necessary or yeah. I just have to or it's right or it's appropriate in order to be a hard worker. Could you go there for us? Maybe like like mm. what are the assumptions or the inaccurate self-talk that's going on that get us to assume like, oh, this is just how it is and what I have to deal with? Well, I think in the case of a lot of the people I spoke to, they were very successful and we've done a lot of the right things, managed to get into a position. And oftentimes things start out well, but then they start to, I guess, misalign. So I do know, for instance, that uh, when I was growing up, that my father used to say in the very early years, you can work harder than anybody else. Like that'll be the way you get ahead. Uh, and often there is that sense of status almost. We're busy. Oh, my job's so intense. Oh, I have to do all these calls. Mm -hmm. there, there is definitely an aspect to that, which if you can let go is fantastic because you can actually put some boundaries in that make your life livable. I think that some of it is that aspect. There's a story in the book, though, of... Uh, Lali Kasebi, who was a global comms head for a company called Lee and Fung. They basically started out as a sourcing company and probably sourced at one point 80% of the things in your house for huge brands in the US. And she loved her job, as did I, after the coach beat me up a little bit. And she said, I love it. I definitely have so much that I put into it. It's been great for experimenting, but I just feel like I have so much more to give. And I think that's sort of a better way to think of it and figuring out for yourself how you can give all that you can and also be recognized for it. Yeah, I really like that. I have so much more to give. And then that notion of, oh boy, I'm really swamped. I'm working, I'm doing all this stuff. It reminds me of, we had a previous conversation with uh, Rahaf Harfouche, mm -hmm. who termed this kind of umbrella of statements, uh, performative suffering, which I thought was a good turn of a oh, phrase. Oh, I love that. <laughs> In terms of, it's like, oh boy, I'm really swamped. Oh, I'm burning the midnight oil again. And like sort of a, a badge of honor or, or something that you should be praised and um, rewarded for, or there's some sort of a camaraderie effect. I don't know. Hey, we're all doing this suffering together. So I like what you, you've shared there with regard to uh, just really having some thought to the situation and, and identifying, you know, what's really important to you and, and taking a stand. So could you maybe give us some examples of particular things that people, that they need and they kind of forget to, to ask for and how they ask for them with great results? So yes, absolutely. After my coach told me that I was being a big fat baby <laughs> about my situation. She herself said, okay, write down all the things you want. 
and uh, what title do you want? Obviously, there's a lot of volatility in the company. What kind of things would make your life more palatable? Is it less travel? Is it more? Is it a seat at the strategy table? Is it new projects within reason? I mean, start with the big brainstorm and then go from there and think about how you can frame them in a way that's attractive to the company. And that's something that I did. And I was so surprised by how willing they were to mm. negotiate and to open-minded and think about those things. And I positioned it all from the benefits that they would get, but I completely transformed my position, did some of the things I knew needed to be done as well, and left thinking that it was the best job ever and, and I still work there part-time. So it really does come down to the individual. I think that time boundaries are one. I think we foist that on ourselves. Oh, I just, I have to do it. You never say no. You never, for example, me living in Asia, you never say, gee, I have three kids and I, I like to put them to bed at night. Can we do the call in a slightly different time? And, you know, sometimes you can't, but uh, if you never ask, you'll never get it. Mm -hmm. So Lolly Kasebi, likewise, she was working in this huge position and she decided that she would ask for a couple of interesting projects. And so she had started to work on a case with a business school on some of their innovations. And that opened up all kinds of interesting opportunities to speak about the innovation they were doing across the world. And those are some of the little things that, you know, they're either allow you to set some boundaries or allow you to continue learning and progressing and just experiment a little bit so that you can, in that longer life and longer career, find what's interesting, what inspires you, and new ways to progress. There's a lot of good stuff there. And, and I really like how you won't get it if you don't ask for it. And, yeah. and when you asked for it, you did so wisely and strategically with regard to framing it in the benefits for the organization. So could you give us a couple examples of, okay, here's a need, and here's how you asked for it with the frame of how that would be beneficial for the organization? Well, I don't want to talk all about myself. So let me talk about one of the folks in the book. Steve Stein was a very senior executive search person. And likewise, he was doing executive search. He really wanted to have his girls go to a place in Bali, which is in Indonesia, called the Green School. So he and his wife decided that's what they wanted. He was living in Singapore, which is maybe four hours away. And Bali is kind of like moving to a fabulous resort that is not particularly near any executives. <laughs> so, so it was an ask, but he basically said, look, this is important to me and I will do the travel to ensure there is no problem. I will ensure the Wi-Fi is fantastic. And, and they said, sure, you know, you've, you've put in some time, your relationships are great, and we'll try it for a six-month period. And if it doesn't work, then we'll have to find something else, or you'll have to live in Singapore, and, and your 
family can live there and you can commute or whatever it is. So, you know, you really can be creative about it. He also later decided that his love for storytelling would be well served by doing a podcast. So he went off, A, did a course in mythology and storytelling, and then B, uh, launched an Asia Inside podcast based on all of his incredibly senior relationships. And it was great because he's an executive recruiter and he could have conversations with people that he wanted to keep in touch with in his network without necessarily there being an active search going on. So he also negotiated to have that with his company so that they understood the benefit it had both to him personally, but also to the job. Oh, that's really cool. And, and I like that notion of, hey, we're going to try it out for six months and see how it goes. Oh, yeah. And, and you've actually delineated a few particular tools of experimentation, collaboration, reinvention, and recalibrating success to mm. improve careers. Could you maybe give us a, an example or a pro tip for each of these tools? So experiment is really about learning. And I think that people find themselves kind of locked into whatever they're doing and feel like an experiment is either I have to quit my job or, you know, move to a new town. But I think that working the muscle of experimentation on taking small bets and understanding the feedback that you get and using it to learn is really an, an important thing for future of work. You have to be constantly trying things out. And as a corporate entrepreneur and somebody who's been doing disruption work since 1995, that's just, it's an innovation tool. It's sort of taking the small bet, seeing where it goes, pivoting, going on. And you can do that in your own career like Steve did and, and like Lale did. And reinventing is really about thinking about what your story is and what kind of adjacencies you can have. So if you look at companies, Netflix started as a company where you would have a VHS tape and it would be sort of mailed to you or a, a DVD mailed to you through the mail. And now look at them. They're a content producer, they're streaming. So thinking about how you can take all of the, your core assets and t skills and talents and character and think about adjacencies. How could I reinvent? What if my job changes or my company changes? What else could I do? And this is very much about also thinking, I am not an accountant. I am Diana and I'm good with numbers, but I'm good with people. And what else could I do with those unique things? I live in Asia, so I have Asia experience. It's sort of collecting all of your assets and thinking about how you can package them for new things. Mm -hmm. uh, collaboration is something I, I feel strongly about because I think that people are not trained in this. And we are all about our network now, being strategic, being culturally sensitive. And I say that from outside of America, where I have spent the last 20 years running teams of people with 
two people in Singapore and somebody in China and somebody in Japan and, you know, different countries and my boss in the UK and my other boss in the US. So virtual cultural networks and working. And finally, focus, which is sort of the fourth key in terms of the actions in the book Future Proof is just what's your story? What's your priority? And really making time for that. I want to hear a little bit more about collaboration. You say we're not really trained in it, but it's really important. What are some of the, the key things when it comes to collaborating that most of us could do better? Well, I think that many of the people on your podcast are in the US. And I think that a lot of times it's an assumption that everybody on is sort of coming from the same place. And I found over the years that that that's can be very different. And so a lot of it is taking our social graces and applying them online, or on teleconference conference calls or zoom or video conference. So part of it is just getting to know people. I've studied a lot of teens and companies. And many of them have tried to make time for water cooler chat or one-on-one -on -one getting to know you or what's the rhythm of your life. And that's something that's becoming ever more present. And I, I find as an American living abroad and working abroad that, you know, we tend to be very efficient and very mm -hmm. direct. And so in my early years, uh, not to apply my foibles to my entire nation, but <laughs> this drive for efficiency was always about, okay, who's next and what do we do? And, uh, okay, are we done? Can we check that off? And I do a lot of work with boards now. And I, I see the same thing where we're, we're just rushed and we don't make time to form some of those personal relationships with our teammates think about walking a mile in their shoes, setting clear expectations, and really putting effort into bringing everyone together in a team to get something done. I like that. Well, do you have any particular, I don't know, I don't want to say icebreaker questions, but are, are there any kind of particular, I don't know, questions or conversations or activities or things that just are really great for getting to know people in that way to boost collaboration down the line? I think asking, what are you excited about right now is a good one. Because at this point, for instance, if you're calling a business process outsource center in India and you ask somebody, so I just went to Hawaii, had this great trip, you know, where's your next vacation? Maybe they don't have a vacation. You know, there's, there's sort of a lot of mm -hmm. things that take a step away from your own experience. And so that one, I feel like allows people to really talk about what their passion is, and it could be anything. And I, I use that in person as well, because I think that the, the perpetual networking, what do you do, which implies work as all. And Are you valuable to me? <laughs> <laughs> no. How can you be useful to me uh -huh. is maybe less interesting than mm -hmm. what people are excited about. Yeah. But what are you excited about right now, Diana? Oh, <laughs> turning the tables. Mm -hmm. 
I am really excited about the course that we're about to pilot. Uh, a lot of people, I mean, this book is me having 80 coffees with people saying, what should I do, Diana? And me thinking, I don't know, let me ask some other people and I'll put it in a book and I'll mm -hmm. send it to you. And the next one is people saying, okay, so I, I see the book, but I don't know how to get started. Can we sort of get online together and really go forward and work some of these things through in a collaborative manner? And so we have a beta course for future proofing coming up soon. And I'm having a great time putting things together and working with people who uh, to find out what's useful to them. Awesome. Thank you. Yeah. What are you excited about? <laughs> what, you know, it's so funny. Like, you know, I guess I'm just thinking about the short term. As we speak, I've got a, a sous vide steak going right now. My wife and I were going to celebrate that we found a great nanny when, when my wife oh, returns gosh. to work mm -hmm. after this maternity leave period. And that was quite a, it's quite it's a search. <laughs> yeah. And we're thrilled and we have chosen to celebrate, uh, in this way. So we're, we're going, so short term, that's what I'm excited about. So you can smell the steak you're yes. <laughs> cooking. <laughs> so there's that, you know, and uh, I'm excited about the, just the growth of the podcast, you know, in yeah. terms of it's really going places. And, you know, we've got a, a survey going out, uh, awesome at your job.com slash advice, mm -hmm. uh, to, to get all the more useful feedback on who would be the, the best guests and episodes to be even more on target for people. And I'm, I'm excited to reach out to former guests. You'll be getting yeah. an email from me, Diana, like, great. all right, Hey, who's really a great person to interview. And I'm excited about, we have more staff to be able to process all the thousands of incoming pitches and, and really, yeah. you know, find the, truly the best fits. Uh, so there's a lot of things. I think what you're doing is amazing. I wish you started this earlier. <laughs> oh, me too. <laughs> it's great. Yeah. I mean, really, nobody teaches you in school. And I think that's part of the issue is sort of they teach you how to be awesome at, you know, a specific task, math, or even coding, but nobody teaches you how to be awesome at your job. And that is a totally different thing. Oh, absolutely. So. Well, thank you. Uh, I, I'm honored yeah. and I appreciate it. And so, yeah, but what's another great thing about that question is uh, it just puts, it puts me in a great mood, right? Because I'm thinking about those things and then you can relate to some of those things. And, and so we are more bonded as a result. And mm -hmm. uh, it, it's a heck of a lot more fun than what do you do is like, I own a small research and training company called how to be awesome at your job that helps uh, develop the universal skills required to flourish at work. It's like, okay, that's cool. Uh, yeah. we might talk yeah. about that oh. a little bit, cool. but, um, <laughs> there's more of an emotional, visceral stuff going on with like the steak and the nanny and the growth trajectory. And it's an exchange. Yeah. Yeah. Fun. Well, thank you for that. Well, let's see. So, so you have a, a boatload of tools and suggestions for transforming your career for the better and being future proof. But mm. if we haven't already covered, I'd love to make sure that we do get your take on what do you think are some of the, the actions, the practices, the tactics that, that really offer the greatest, you know, bang for your buck in terms of, uh, career satisfaction and future proofing, uh, per, I guess, minute of, of thought, attention, effort? I think that most of what I have distilled, uh, I put into a checklist from the book. So I think that that gives you a huge amount 
because thinking about all the things you could do can be quite daunting. And this allows you to focus. So I have that on my website at dianawudavid.com. And uh, going in to ask yourself questions about, you know, where am I lacking? And what do I already have? And what are some of the things that I could do to kind of close that gap, I think is probably the best bang for the buck. So it really does go through and talk about your family life and your relationships and what kind of professional relationships you have that you could either go to in a crisis or with a problem or to celebrate. I think that that kind of audit is just quite useful to take on a yearly or quarterly basis. And then the tools that you might use can follow. Lovely. Well, Diana, tell me anything else you want to make sure to mention before we shift gears and hear about some of your favorite things. I think that people can really change the way that they approach work by just reframing what the opportunity is and by really finding the things in their job that may not be part of the job description, but that really jazz them and that may change over time. So even though the the strategic part of my job had changed and become a little bit old before. I remember one of the evolutions was realizing, you know, what is it? Ask yourself, what is it that gets me out of bed in the morning? And for this particular moment in time, it was my team. And even though my big job description said X 15% growth, top line operations, etc., for the PL, I thought, yeah. The team is it, making sure they progress in their lives and professionally for the next 12 months or six months even, that's going to be my focus. And the other stuff I know I can do, but my job now is is to help them grow. And then when that is something that's uh, sort of taken care of or uh, we've progressed enough, maybe it'll be something else. So I think that reframing can allow you to perpetually reinvent within the same function or same team or same job. It's not always about progress up a ladder. Oh, thank you. Well, now could you share with us a a favorite quote, something you find inspiring? So this was from uh, one of the interviewees, Emma Sherrod, who is CEO of quintessentially a lifestyle concierge and now has progressed into being the global chairperson. And she said, Yeah, all you're saying is about don't settle for the life you've been given, work hard for the life you want. And that's like a motto now for me. It's a mantra when I think, oh, I'm working so hard. And I'll go back and say, yeah, this is what you wanted. You got to work hard for it. (laughs) Thank you. And how about a favorite study or experiment or bit of research? One of the books that had the most impact on my thinking was The Hundred Year Life. Oh, we interviewed Linda. Yeah. On the show. I I thought that was, that totally changed the way I viewed my career, what I did, in what time sequence, et cetera. It really changed. And I reference it quite a bit in my book, Future Proof. And how about a favorite tool, something you use that helps you be awesome at your job? Uh, My favorite tool is Sane Later. I believe. Oh, yeah. Deeply insanity. And, uh, 
Sane later basically delivers all of your emails at a preset time so that you don't spend your entire day checking your email. So at 3 p.m. every day, I get all my emails delivered. I go through them and there you go. Yes, I also use the Sane box and I am <laughs> an enthusiast just because there's so many newsletters that they're genuinely interesting. And like I would enjoy reading them, yeah. but in a way that's too tempting. I don't, I don't want them popping up into my inbox because then I'm going to jump in and, and take a read. And then it's like, oh shoot, I, I meant to be doing something totally different oh, yeah. during this, this moment. And uh, so now they're kind of boxed over to the side. Much It's like having a giant bowl of M&Ms on your desk. <laughs> <laughs> All those emails. Yes. And now instead I have a butler bring me the M&Ms at the appointed time. <laughs> there you go. In a small yeah. bowl. <laughs> right. <laughs> and how about a favorite habit? My favorite habit is writing. I think uh, the good, the bad, and the ugly, it all gets resolved with a few minutes with pen and paper or on the keyboard. It's just been throughout my life every morning. And is there a particular nugget that you share that really seems to connect and resonate with uh, readers, listeners, folks you're working with? Yeah, I think that there's a lot of fear about the future. And so one of the quotes in the book that seems to get highlighted a bit is, the future of work is not a clarion call for our demise. It's a magic portal to more balance and rhythm in our lives. All right. People like That's magic clear, portals. What can I say? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You're bringing back a lot of video game memories for me. So I appreciate those. And Diana, if folks want to learn more or get in touch, where would you point them? On my website, dianawudavid.com. And they have uh, the checklist up there. And also uh, futureproof, forward slash futureproof, has the information on the book and uh, two chapters that people can download for free. And do you have a final challenge or call to action for folks seeking to be awesome at their jobs? Yeah. Based on that, conquer your fear of the future. Be awesome at your job and live your dreams. Well, Diana, this has been a whole lot of fun. I, I wish you tons of luck with the, the book, A Future Proof, and all of your globetrotting adventures. Well, Pete, you know, it's, uh, I think, 13 hours ahead, so I'm already in the future. It's yeah. already Friday morning. <laughs> so thank you. And I wish you a fabulous dinner, steak dinner with your wife, and a wonderful celebration. Oh, thank you. You're welcome. I got a huge kick out of what Diana said with regard to asking for what you need for the job to be shifted and framing that request in a way that is advantageous for the employer. I think there's so many ways you could do that. If you can't think about it, it's just like, no, I just want it. <laughs> I can't think of how this helps them at all. It's just something that I want. Well, you could say, you know what? I would feel just so much more engaged and appreciated if I were able to do this. Or, you know, if I could work from home one day a week, but I tell you what, I think my productivity would go through the roof because I would be able to do that really deep work focused stuff that it's hard to do, you know, when there's all this excitement and people I really enjoy talking to and care about dropping by my desk and it's hard to blow them off, you know, whereas if there's no one there, then I can really crank through some of this really quiet, thoughtful work that sometimes is hard to do. Anyway, you get the idea. I think that's pretty cool is just figure out what you want and then figure out how you can frame it and take a crack at it. And the odds may well be better than you thought for making that ask. So 
and getting it granted. Good stuff from Diana. If you want to check out the show notes or the transcript or the links to items we've referenced, it's at awesomeatyourjob.com slash ep459. And I hope you help push subscribe if you haven't already. The next guest here, we are talking to David Komlos. He is talking about how to solve complexity and those tricky problems. Until next time, peace. Thanks for listening. To get the most out of the show, we recommend two key things. First, check out the extra resources at awesomeatyourjob.com. You can find this episode's transcript and links, as well as the perfect episode for your situation. You can search the full text transcripts of hundreds of episodes or explore episodes tagged by topic and competency covered. Second, subscribe to the podcast and get future episodes automatically. You can subscribe by telling Siri and several other smartphones and speakers. Subscribe to the How to Be Awesome at Your Job podcast or by tapping subscribe in your podcast player of choice. If you'd like some extra help figuring out podcasts and how subscriptions work, visit awesomeatyourjob.com slash subscribe for guidance. Hope to catch you on the next episode of How to Be Awesome at Your Job.